Christ commanded us to preach the gospel and disciple the nations. All we do is in support of that mission statement. Join us as we strive to fight the good fight of faith together. Welcome to Warriors Rising. Hey, this is Paul with Warriors Rising. Glad to have you on the team. Glad to have you in the fight. We are here today with two people. We got Tiana Showy from Made to Conquer podcast and uh, old Greenberry buddy of mine, Kirby, who is doing a lot of things with Israel, uh, both on the kind of political and the religious side. So it's pretty pretty exciting. Um, I actually got to go to Israel with him back in, was it March, buddy? It was March, yep. Yeah, got it. It's already been six months. Holy cow. But uh, so he's obviously, as everybody knows, there's been a lot that has happened since last weekend. Um, last weekend was unexpected, yet not unexpected, because we knew eventually that that type of stuff would pop off within the Middle East and with all the tension uh, with Hamas, Palestine, Hezbollah, all those and the nation of Israel. So um, we just really want to say thank you for joining us today. Yeah. Good morning, Kirby. Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys for having me. Yeah. Well, I would love it if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit your story about your story and kind of giving the, an intro to everybody about yourself. So that way we can have some context as we dive into today's discussion. Sure. So I was, uh, I'm, I'm an army brat born and raised in, in Germany on, on American army bases growing up as a kid. I went to to high school in Wisconsin after my parents got divorced uh, from Wisconsin in 2005. I joined the army, went to uh, went to Iraq, uh, came back, uh, decided to try it out for special forces, go to selection and, and see what see if I had what it took. Somehow I made it. So I ended up being uh, getting attached to Seventh Special Forces Group, which is what brought me down to Florida. With Seventh Group, I went to uh, Afghanistan and Colombia. Decided it was time to get out and prioritize my family for the first time in a decade. And uh, I, I stayed in the National Guard, so I didn't want to let the Army go all the way. So I joined the, uh, the Georgia National Guard, did that for about two and a half years, three years. And then it was time just to let it all go. Uh, you know, so I was born and raised Catholic, never had a relationship with Christ, uh, really until about 2016 when God kind of grabbed me by the, the choke collar and, and woke me up. And so since then, I've been uh, just diving into the word, diving into, you know, who God is, you know, that realization that if, if he's real, if his word is real, then your life should change. Everything about who you are, what you do should change. And, you know, so from that point forward, I, I started reading the Bible. I was going to college at the time. I got my, my history. I got a history degree, uh, started working at Dick's Sporting Goods, building bicycles because I didn't know where God wanted me. I told my wife, I was like, I feel like he's got me on the lazy river right now. It's he, He's got me sitting here, but he's taking me where he wants me to go. And he's going to tell me when to get off. And he did. And, uh, you know, so now I work for this, this fantastic organization. It's Christians United for Israel. Uh, and it's, you know, it's a nonprofit organization. It's a, it's a non-denominational thing. It's just Christians getting together, recognizing that the promises you know, prophecies thousands of years ago, but that those promises that God made to the Jewish people regarding that land, like we live in a time where it's fulfilled now, mm-hmm. you know, so to be a Christian, to wake up in, you know, in, in the 21st century and recognize that it looked so much different than the last two millennia is it's incredible as a Christian, as a believer, 
you know, and so uh, I've just started chasing after God. That kind of brought me to Israel because I can't read the Bible and not see Israel and the Jewish people. It's impossible for me. And, uh, you know, and so that, that historical, archaeological and spiritual tie that Israel brings in for me as a Christian, it's, it's why I'm here doing what I do. So uh, now we, we educate people. So just kind of like what we did as uh, Green Berets, you know, we, we travel around and we just teach. We teach people how to, how to do things. Um, you know, whether that's shooting, whether that's radio communications in the army, uh, or whether it's reading the Bible and pulling scriptures out and highlighting them. So, you know, when God uses certain terms like forever, never, um, that people pay attention to those words. If, you know, uh, yeah, that's a little bit about me. That's awesome. And thank you so much. And I, I just want to speak on behalf of, I know the thousands of listeners who listen to this, who are like me, just uh, dumb civilians. <laughs> and, and I say that a little tongue in cheek. I'm, I'm kidding, of course, but we, we genuinely, and I know I get the sen- sentiment a lot from a lot of the listeners. We genuinely appreciate you and Paul and your service to this nation. There are many of us who have not forgotten what this nation was built upon and what it cost and how it, it has continued to be sustained by those of you who have stood up and, and said, I'm going to go defend this country. So I just personally want to speak on behalf of, I know the thousands that listen that appreciate you guys as well and say, thank you. Thank you for your service. I, I feel a little bit like, how did I get here <laughs> on the phone with two really smart and, and wonderful gentlemen. And so, uh, you know, pray, praise God that he raises up men like you in our society. And I can tell you as a woman, we need more men like you in our society. And so I appreciate what you're doing both, both have done for our country, but both what you do for our kingdom, the, the eternal kingdom, the one where we're actually working for that has eternal benefits. So I thank you guys both. I know, Paul, we wanted to start off with some Psalms and then we want to go straight into Kirby stuff because this is so apropos for right now. Paul and I were kind of chatting a little bit before about the amount of anti-Semitism surfacing from the, the quote unquote church and it's really disconcerting. So Kirby, this is such a timely episode to have you on. So Paul, yeah. I'll let you. Yeah, so we're going we're gonna to start Psalm 83 and Psalm 83 is, and it, it like Tiana said, it was it, God, the way God works. She had Psalm 83 as her psalm to read today, and I felt I needed to read Psalm 83 today, given uh, the situation going on. Um, it says, Do not keep silent, O God. Do not hold your peace, and do not be still, O God. For behold, your enemies make a tumult, and those who hate you have lifted up their head. They have taken crafty counsel against your people and consulted against your sheltered ones. They have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. For they have consulted together with one consent, the form of a confederacy against you, the tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Hagarites, Gebel, Ammon, Amalek, Philistia with the inhabitants of Tyre. Assyria also has joined with them. They have helped the children of Lot. Deal with them as with Midian, as with Sisera, as with Yavin, as with the book Brookishan, who perished at Endor, who became as refuse on the earth. Make the nobles like Oreb and like Zeb, yes, all their princes like Zeba, Zeba and Zalmunna, who said, let us take for ourselves the pastures of God for a possession. Oh my God, make them like the whirling dust, like the chaff before the wind, as the fire burns the woods and as the flames set the mountains on fire. So pursue them with your tempest and frighten them with your storm. Fill their faces with shame that they may seek your name, O Lord. Let them be confounded and dismayed forever. Yes, let them be put to shame and perish, that they may know that you whose name alone is the Lord are the most high over all the earth. And when you actually track down the 
the nations that are spoken of here, Edom, Ishmael, Tyre, Sidon, Assyria, these are all the Middle Eastern Islamic nations. And the psalmist is pleading with them to deal with the enemies of Israel during the time of the judges and like the Ziba al-Zamuna. So go look up Judges 8. You'll see what happened with them. Um, we have to remember, and this is something we'll get into, but this is a war that's been going on for millennia, literally millennia. But we'll get into that in a second. But this is, some people see this as fulfilled in 1948. However, um, there are others that do not see this as fulfilled. They see this as a prophecy yet to be fulfilled because these nations were not dealt with in this manner. They're still standing. They're still fine uh, in many, many respects. So I know Dr. Chuck Missler, he very much felt that this was a prophecy and uh, in a prayer, in a sense, dealing with the nations surrounding Israel prior to the Ezekiel 38 and 39, the Gog Magog event, because when the nations of Gog and Magog go and attack Israel, these nations are not mentioned, which are the ones surrounding Israel directly. But we do know if, if such a mass scale attack against Israel were to occur, these nations around there would join in because they would want nothing more than to see Israel wiped off the face of the earth. They've wanted that since its establishment. We see this, I mean, directly after Israel became a nation. It was basically the day after, wasn't it, Kirby? Yep. Yeah, the day after mm -hmm. uh, multiple nations went and tried to attack and wipe Israel into the sea. Didn't happen, obviously. Supernatural protection. But so this, um, obviously, we don't go newspaper exegesis. We don't say, oh, yes, this, this, it kind of fits. God does not deal in possible, and it might fit. He deals in exactness. Mm -hmm. So whatever prophecies are there, they will be fulfilled literally into the T. Um, but it's interesting as we start to see this uh, come about. So, Tiana, I know you got a good psalm, which I think marries very well into this. Yeah. And I just wanted to point out in verse four, it says, come, let us erase them as a nation. May the name of Israel be remembered no more. Make no mistake. Yeah. This is what the Palestinians are chanting right now. The yeah. So make no mistake that, that, that we are living through these times. And Kirby, I can't wait for you to get into that. So in Psalm 2, why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Let us break their chains and cast away their cords. The one enthroned in heaven laughs and the Lord taunts them. Then he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his fury. I have installed my king on Zion upon my holy mountain. I will proclaim the decree spoken to me by the Lord. You are my son, and today I have become your father. Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with an iron scepter. You will shatter them like pottery. Therefore, be wise, O kings. Be admonished, O judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry with you, and you perish in your rebellion. When his wrath ignites in an instant, blessed are all who take refuge in him. Amen. Yeah. Well, on that note, Kirby... Where do we even start? Like, how do we, where, where do we go? What is the best, best so, way to kick this off? I, I, I think, I think the best way to start this is to remember, and like I said, the, where this started all the way back with millennia ago with Ishmael and Isaac, Jacob and Esau, mm -hmm. this is called the Alamiba, the eternal hatred. <clears throat> you know, when we, when we look at the descendants of Abraham's other concubines, like what you find is that these feed into the Middle Eastern people. So um, Ishmael, 
Ishmael and Isaac, uh, Hagar, when she had Ishmael, right? She flees the presence of Sarah. And in Genesis 16, the angel speaks to her and says something very interesting about Ishmael. It says, behold, you are with child and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has heard your affliction. He will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man and every man's hand against him. And then when we look at Jacob and Esau, um, Jacob, obviously Esau gave up his birthright. He didn't care about his birthright. Uh, it says after he sold his birthright that thus he despised his birthright. And so they think, oh, it, it's easy to think, okay, so he gave up his birthright, sold it. So then from that point on, no, 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 this is a demonstration. What it's talking about here is that he despised his birthright from the very beginning. He didn't care about it. He didn't care about his rights as the firstborn. And then Jacob gets blessed. Um, and through deception in Genesis 27. Now, obviously this deals obviously with the danger of favoritism by parents. And if they'd have been obedient, it says the elder shall serve the younger, right? And they'd have followed this. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously Esau never married, ne- Esau never was in servitude to Jacob, but this is dealing with future events of the nation, right? Because it, while it is people, we have to remember that back then they would reference a nation by its forefathers. Um, but after after um, Jacob's blessed flees, it says we uh, have a prophecy given by Isaac to Esau. In verse 39, it says, Behold, your dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth and the dew of heaven from above. By your sword you shall live and you shall serve your brother. And it shall come to pass when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessings with which his father blessed him. And then in Genesis 28, Esau, it says also Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan did not please his father, Isaac. So Esau went to Ishmael and took Manalath and the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son. And so Esau marries into Ishmael. And then it tells us in chapter trying to find where it is, but basically it says Esau is Edom. Mm-hmm. Right. And we know the Mo- uh, Lot gave birth to the Moabites who were the, lived in Ammon. So this whole thing goes back to Jacob and Esau and the, in Islam, they go Abraham to Ishmael mm-hmm. versus the Bible, which goes Abraham to Isaac. Ishmael is the son of the promise in Islam. So you have to understand the amount of and centuries old, millennia old, conflict here between the two nations in the book of Obadiah. If you want to see a study of, of uh, Edom, um, what you'll see is a judgment against the nation. We learned that during the Babylonian captivity, Edom and the descendants of Esau rejoiced and basically egged on the Babylonians as they attacked and destroyed Israel. And as people would try to flee from the nation to get out, they would actually stop them and turn them into the Babylonians. So uh, Obadiah is a one chapter book, but you actually get some really interesting insights. And what most people don't understand is this relationship and how tense it's been for so long. And what they also don't understand is that the Herods, the Herods were Edom, Edomites, they're Idiomaeans. So when Rome comes in, they think it's a family squabble going on, but they see them basically as the same. So you you have to understand <laughs> to really get a good grasp of what's going on in the Middle East, that this isn't something new. This isn't something the last couple hundred years. This isn't something since the seventh century, once Islam was initiated under Muhammad. 
this has been going on since Jacob and Esau. Yeah, 100%. And I actually heard a really good quote yesterday. I was in a mobile at a solidarity thing at a Baptist church there for Israel. And uh, it goes back to to that verse, you know, uh, we, they'll strike them so their their name will be remembered no more. Yep. And it's like you said, it, it goes back. So what happened on Saturday in Israel is not new. All it, The only difference is it was done on a major scale on an organized front, you know, but that's what Hamas, I mean, and, and that's what Al-Qaeda, that's what the Taliban and ISIS, they're all the same. And, and as far as these radical ideologies go, what they're willing to do, but it, it is all about the destruction of the Jewish people. It has not, you know, it, it's, People will talk about its land, you know, this and that. But at the end of the day, uh, when you look at the Hamas charter, like what is their organizational charter? What is it? What does it stand for? What does it even mean? And destroying the Jewish people is part of their founding document. You know, it's it's part of what defines them as an organization. So they don't they hide they don't hide that hatred at all. Uh, Israel knows that Hamas is like that. Paul, you know that. We go down there. We remember seeing the pictures of the, the police officers that had died in the previous yep. conflict right on the border there. Um, you know, Hamas is not afraid. Uh, even when we went uh, in this past March, you know, when we were on the border of Gaza, right where a lot of this stuff happened, uh, you know, you could see the Hamas tower which a year prior had not been there, you know, but when we went, there's literally a tower. It looks like one of those towers, you'd like a lifeguard tower you'd see on the beach almost, except it was like 40 feet in the air. Yeah. But Hamas, Hamas and Hezbollah are building towers so they can see over the walls and see inside. You know, uh, the boldness of the enemy here is, to me, is the most shocking part. Um, you know, and there's a lot of information flying around about... Uh, how it happened, why it happened, you know, and, and I'm sure Israel's going to, they're going to figure that stuff out. Just like we had to figure some stuff out after nine 11. Uh, they're going to have to figure some stuff out. Uh, clearly there were some failures. However, uh, the enemy is not a new enemy. And, you know, what they're going to do, in my opinion is, you know, uh, just as prime minister Netanyahu said at this point, nothing less than the total destruction of Hamas is acceptable. You know, if the past 10 years, you know, when, when Israel moved out of the West Bank or out of the Gaza, I think it was 05, 06, yeah. you know, Hamas got elected a couple years later and they haven't held an election since, um, you know, and ha ha most people, they, they just don't understand, you know, uh, when Hamas was elected, when, when Israel pulled out of the Gaza, a lot of people don't know one that Jewish families literally were pulled out. Like there's pictures of the Jewish families holding onto doorposts with their own army pulling them out because they didn't want to leave. And, you know, that's fascinating. And it flies in the face of this, well, the Jews hate all the Palestinians because when we went to the border, I didn't hear one person mention a hatred for the Palestinians. I heard people no. talking about they wish people would stop trying to kill them and, yeah. you know, and telling stories about how they wanted to go back into Gaza because they were raised there or they want to go back and see the Mediterranean because their dad used to take them to go get hummus at this little shop right on the Mediterranean and, now that's controlled by Hamas, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and Hamas owns, you know, as hard as, as it is, Hamas owns all of this tragedy. You know, Israel is the, the moral agent of the two agents in this area. And, and there's no comparison to Israel and Hamas. And I, we're probably going to get into that, but uh, it, 
the anti-Semitism and this this hatred for Israel, I agree, it's spiritual. There's a you know, there's it has deep roots. The hatred doesn't even make sense. It's not even logical. And and to me, that's the alarming part. And you know, Paul's seen it, I've seen it, you know, when when people have made up their mind that they're willing to die for their cause, whether the cause is something you agree with or not, that's a dangerous person. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, you know they're willing to go the distance. And that's what this group is. They're radical. And, uh, you know, it's, there's comfort in knowing that the Bible says it's been like this forever and it's always going to be like this. You know, we, we know that, you know, Israel is the, the litmus paper of the world. You want to see what the state of the world, look at Jerusalem. Um, you know, and, and you get a good, you get a good glimpse, but anyways, I just, I, that, that verse is really powerful. You know, it's, it is about, it is not about land. It is not about sharing land. It is not about a shared cohabitation. It is not about a peaceful existence. It is about the total and utter destruction of every Jew on the planet. Uh, yeah. And I think that you make a valid point, Kirby. And I, I just would like you and Paul to reiterate this a little bit more, because what I think one of the biggest issues that I see as I'm watching this discourse happen in, you know, on social media is how ignorant Americans are to the hatred they have towards the Jews, because the vast majority of Americans don't have the perspective that you two have. They've never been overseas. They've never seen this type of mindset. And so to them, they think, well, there's got to be a peaceable way to solve this. Right. Or I'm one of the things that I'm seeing a lot of is I'm just going to be neutral. I'm not pro Israel. I'm not pro Hamas or, or they're believing into the propaganda that Israel is somehow equally as guilty as, as Palestine or as, you know, as the, um, Hamas is in this. So I would just love for you guys to help give some of that perspective, because I think too many Americans don't, cannot understand this level of hatred and this level of, of racist, racist based hatred as well. Not just, not just, you know, just hatred in general, but very specific racist based. And to give one example, I saw a, a Jewish girl who went to a Palestinian um, rally last night at, you know, on a college campus. And she had two bodyguards with her and three Palestinian girls chased her down and were trying to torment her for and asking her, are you a Jew? And it was like, are you, I mean, you, this is happening in our country. This was happening yeah. in our country last night. So I would just love for you guys to share some of that perspective to help educate. Well, it's first, I would say, there was, there was an interesting thing that I, I saw one time. There was a girl who was doing detect. She was getting into detective work. She'd been a police officer and she was getting into homicide and stuff like that. She's that I think it was like they had killed some kids basically. And she had her older detective, whoever was with her. And she's like, I, I just don't understand this. I don't, I don't understand this. I'm, I'm trying to understand. And, the guy that was basically her mentor said, stop, stop. Because when you understand it, you become like them mm. because it's the only way you can understand it. Yeah. And that, that really kind of hits it here. If you, if you really want to understand it, like in a sense, you kind of have to, the only way to truly understand it is to, to feel that and to have those emotions and understand what it is to truly hate somebody, you know, because you can't, it's, um, Kirby will understand this, but there, there, I was talking to my buddy Glenn when we were retiring and we were just, you know, talking through stories. And, you know, at that time it was kind of like assessing my entire life and my career and, and, and just processing everything that I'd been through over the last 14 years. 
well, really 12 years when you look at dealing with the trips and stuff. And we were talking about bloodlust and, and, and when you get into the, some of those situations and it's kind of that the fight's going, it's ongoing and it just becomes this thing where it's like, you just need more. You just need more and you're tired and you're angry. And it's like, I absolutely despise everything and hate every inch of you. And I want you to suffer as much as possible and killing you and everybody around you is the only thing that is going to satisfy this. And even then I just want more, you know, that is very hard for people to understand, but that does hit at times when you're in those situations, Mm -hmm. it it, it's, and, and even that doesn't do it justice into explaining it. It's unless you've actually experienced it, like you, you can't, know it you know what that is to have that level of desire to just inflict pain and and death upon everything around you you know that it it just you don't understand and there's no way to and it's kind of the same way here it that is a level of hatred that i'm sure kirby understands too you know given some of the stuff that he and i have talked about that's that's the only way i can best explain it that's the level these people have Mm. for each other not necessarily israel to palestine and this is the thing that you know when it and i want kirby to hit on this after he discusses this is the lie that palestine that israel inflicts suffering and is an apartheid state because we you know man they have tons of palestinians out of judea and samaria that are allowed Mm -hmm. to come in and work and all those things but i'll I'll let you hit on that that level of hatred amongst these people man but again it goes back to uh, you've got millennia millennia of indoctrination of hatred where these children are raised within this ideological camp i mean on the walls of palestine i I can't remember the arabic but it says we knock on the gates of heaven with the skulls of jews (laughs) i mean that is the environment Mm -hmm. these children are raised in from the time they are babies to the time that they die so for them it's normal yeah the hatred it's not rational and uh you know the key thing to remember and there's a lot of lessons in history, but, you know, we can, we can stick literally just with the Jewish people, you know, go back to world war two. Um, you know, this, this rally I was at last night, uh, somebody mentioned it and it, it's a good reminder, you know, there were Christian evangelical Germans that facilitated what happened in Nazi Germany to the Jewish people, yes. you know, and, and I say that because how do human beings hit levels of depravity where they will do certain things to other human beings, especially if you're Christian and you have to be able to justify these things. And so, uh, you know, we know that even a westernized modern industrial society can totally turn, you know, drink a bunch of evil and and totally turn and, and look away from righteousness. You know that that can happen. You know, so for me, this it's much deeper because, like you said, this is this is a biblically old conflict, and you know, uh, there's no rational reasons why killing women and children should be the way to accomplish your goal. But these men, and this is what makes Hamas dangerous, and really what what makes all radical Islamic uh, fighters dangerous is that they they believe so much in the hatred that they're willing to die for it, even though it doesn't make sense. And, you know, and you look at some of the things that are done, um, you know, and I'm not an expert on Islam. I, I have several Muslim friends and, you know, we've talked about a lot of this and, uh, 
people will take scriptures, if you will, out of context, and they'll use those scriptures um, to do horrible things to people. And that happens here, you know, so it's easy to hate the people that are doing these things like Hamas, uh, Hezbollah, but we have to understand them to be able to understand why Israel is going to have to make the decision that it has to make. You know, and there's, and that really is my biggest concern here with Israel is right now there's a bunch of support because, you know, you can go anywhere. You can't hardly go on, on even social media and see dead Jews in Israel from this past week, mm-hmm. you know, but the problem is, is that the videos are already circulating of things happening in Gaza, you know, and yeah. Israel's being blamed and the media chooses whoever is not with Israel first. And, and you know, and the United Nations, for example, you know. The United Nations has sanctioned and, and disciplined Israel more than Russia, China, uh, North Korea combined, mm-hmm. you know, and they're just this small little country. And, uh, you know, they, they, they supply electricity and water to Gaza and they don't, they don't have to, they, they consistently send food trucks and, and things like that into Gaza. They don't have to, uh, save a child's heart is just one of many hospitals in the area, but you know, you go in there to save a child's heart and you see you see kids from all over the world that would be dead at nine years old, if not for this life-saving surgery that Israel provides, even to people who come from countries that would kill them for being Jews. Mm-hmm. You know, and so they'll give these kids surgeries and then they'll send them back and, and you know, hopefully to live a full life. And the, I say that because, you know, you hear all this stuff, apartheid state, Israel's evil. Well, when I walk into this hospital that is solely designed for saving kids' lives, you look on the board of the doctors that are being trained by the Israeli doctors, and over 50% of the names on that board are Palestinian doctors from either Judea, Samaria, or Gaza Strip, where Israel is literally training their doctors how to save their children. And no one talks about the good stuff that Israel does. The, The... the negative side always comes that Israel's the aggressor, you know, and I had a, uh, I, I was at Marshall university last year and I gave a presentation on Israel. It was very provoking. You know, it's provoking the thought of what happens now in the middle East. Now that the U S one left Afghanistan and two left the Taliban, all this equipment, all this money, you know, and I, for two years now, or a year and a half, I've been telling people like, this is going to impact everything in the region. You know, and within days of that happening, you know, I've seen there's a video of a very, very famous, uh, very well-known radical uh, Islamic teacher inside of the Al-Aqsa Mosque calling on the Taliban to come liberate Jerusalem using the equipment that we just gave them. And I, I show a video of him doing this, and I do it for two reasons. Well, first, I always throw the disclaimer. He does not represent all Muslims by a long shot, you know, and you have to get that stuff out. Unfortunately, in 2023, you have to throw those disclaimers out because everybody wants to lump. They're going to put you in a box if you don't take yourself out of these boxes. You know, and the the important thing about that video, the reason I show it, it's not because I want people to look at him as a radical. It's that it's twofold answer. One, this man, days after we pulled out of Afghanistan in a country as Israel, which has free protected speech, is able to stand up and call for the very destruction of the state that's granting him the rights to stand in his holy site and call for the destruction of the, the, the city he's in, you know, and that doesn't, that's, that's unheard of, you know, and if, if, if a country was an apartheid state, 
that would not happen. Okay. Not only would that not happen, but his YouTube channel would be shut down. You, you, you know, it's just like Christians will come to Israel and they will visit holy sites and try to get in touch with their faith. There are Muslims all over the world that come here that some of which are going to have to hear radical teachings like this guy's teaching. And if they don't have a good founded or a good grounded reality of, of this is what, you know, the Jewish people are actually like, they've only been told things their whole life, then they're already radicalized. You know, and when you look at Judea and Samaria and the Palestinian Authority, you know, the United States sends money to the Palestinian Authority so that way they can educate schools, they can feed people, all these different programs. But, you know, literally in, in the Palestinian Authority school systems, I mean, and you can you can YouTube this, it's it's heartbreaking, but you can see eight-year-old children in second grade, third grade, doing plays where they're dressed up as Hamas fighters or other some other group. And they're beheading Israelis who are dressed up in Israeli uniforms. This is third, fourth grade. You know, so you can only do that so much before you should expect that child to grow up not being radical. And, you know, our tax dollars are funding this. This is the worst part about it. And this is why I love my, my job is, you know, it's because we, we try to make a difference. You know, uh, a couple of years back, Taylor Force, he was a West Point graduate, two combat tours to Iraq. He was getting his uh, master's degree in, in Tel Aviv. Dude's living his best life. And a Palestinian terrorist goes into Tel Aviv on the boardwalk, stabs nine people. The only one who dies is the American citizen. And one of the reasons I got involved with pro-Israel work, you know, right, the Lord was dealing with my heart. And I was like, you know, I don't really know if I want to get involved in organizations and all this stuff. I was still learning. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. And then I heard about this. And then I found out that, you know, our State Department confirmed this, that our tax dollars are paying the family of that terrorist every month. So the PA basically pays a reward to the family of that terrorist for conducting that act. And the money that goes into that bank account to that family has United States serial numbers on those, on those bills. You know, so we are directly funding the murder of our own people, you know? And so there's, there's, I have, you know, the two buckets of Israel support. I have, you know, my one from a Christian perspective, just the, you know, humanity perspective, historical perspective, but then the selfish American perspective as a selfish American, having a strong friend who likes to I won't say likes to fight, but is not afraid to fight and who has the same or similar values as we do, to me, selfishly, it benefits us to have that friend, mm -hmm. to have a friend that is in the neighborhood of all of the people that would kill our people no differently than they would have do that to Israel. I mean, Hamas would do the exact, they did, they killed 22 Americans and at least I think 20 suspected Americans are still being held hostage. Yeah. These are, an these are animals. They didn't go for women. They didn't go for men. There were police that were killed. There were soldiers that were killed. This was meant to terrorize. This is no different than ISIS. It's no different than Al-Qaeda. It's no different than the Taliban, all of which have done these things to their own people, let alone other people, just for fear tactics. And people don't but, understand like how, like when I was in Syria, we had a video going around and it was a, basically a propaganda slash training video. And they started with the kids. These kids had to be six years old. And they lined up other six, seven-year-old kids and had those young kids shoot the other kids in the back of the head. And then they would have hostages held, um, well, prisoners basically, and they would put them in shoot houses as targets. And they would have these little six, seven-year-old kids. You know, that's there. So when people think, oh, that's crazy. No, that's what they do.
they train these children from that young age to do and carry out these acts. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's heartbreaking. Well, you said a couple really important things there, Kirby, and I just want to highlight them as we continue this discussion. You know, one of the things you pointed out is that quote unquote evangelical Christians, you know, were aiding the Nazi regime, you know, during, during, you know, the Holocaust. And as Amir Safati points out when he does his teachings on Israel, is that Hitler, you know, saw Martin Luther and John Calvin as two men that he highly regarded. And we know that both of them were very anti-Semitic in nature. And so I think the thing that has been most disheartening for me as I watch this is the number of Christians who who consider themselves disciples of Luther and Calvin who are falling in line with Nazi propaganda. And I I commented, uh, you know, a quote of Hitler's on somebody's very anti-Semitic Christian post, quote unquote, Christian post. And the response I got was, you fool. (laughs) And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that this, what you're doing is so important because Christians need to understand that you can be on the Dietrich Bonhoeffer side of history, or you can right. be on the Martin Luther side of history. And, and I'm not saying that everything Martin Luther did was bad, but I'm saying that there's nuance there that most people don't understand. And it's big really time. Well, most people, Go ahead. Yeah, most people don't know that about Martin Luther. Right. You know, you know, they, they know, they know that he nailed the theses up on the door and that's fantastic. You know, he's the, he's the father. I, and I say this wherever I go, he's the father of my Protestant faith. Right. However, you know, he also wrote a book on the Jews and their lives where he talks about, you know, not only killing and destroying the Jewish people and their entire society, but piling sand on top of the remaining structures so that they're totally forgotten about, just like what the Bible verse says, so that their name will never be remembered. And the Dietrich Bonhoeffers, you know, and this, we, I talk about this all the time is, you know, he was rare, you know, and just last night I heard a statistic, you know, of, of, a million, 1.5 million children were murdered in the Holocaust systematically. Like this is like, you know, like you, it's, it's just evil cattle car stuff. You know, you pull people off of a rail, a train car and you like cattle, you know, in a, in a meat processing plant, you're, that's what it was like. It became so systematic to these people and the Nazis, the hard part to wrap my mind around. And that's hard as a Christian is, is one, Hitler, when you read Mein Kampf and when you look at World War II propaganda, the main face that you see on these posters is Martin Luther. Because Hitler understood Martin Luther was a German hero. He, you know, and yeah. he's he's a he changed the world. Germans loved him. He was so anti-Semitic, though. So how do you convince an entire group of people that claim to believe in God, that claim to believe Jesus is their savior, but then they're willing to do these things, you know, and the levels of depravity need to be noted here because this is, this is Nazi Germany. These are scientists, doctors, lawyers, school teachers, just like us here in America. And they would go to church and they'd be singing. And then you hear the trains filled with human beings going past the church on the way to Auschwitz or a, a, a kill camp. And these Christians would sing louder. So the train didn't interrupt their service. Like it's not only evil, it's, it's, depraved it's people that have totally seared their conscience Mm -hmm. and have no desire of unsearing it Mm -hmm. and you know they were held accountable and and you know but you know what i've seen about the the nuremberg trials some of these men even to their very last day felt what they did was the right thing to do and that's the hardest part is how can you possibly come to this conclusion 
how dangerous it is. Because if you make it to this conclusion where this radical idea is the only thing left, then you're, you've become so dangerous to civilization. You're not talking anymore. Now you're just forcing people to change. You're forcing people to do things that you want them to do. And, you know, if, if Israel had existed before Hitler, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Jews would have had a home to go to. They would have had a place. And the worst part about all this is, as an American, most people don't understand the levels of depravity that America went through when it comes to the Jews. You know, yes, we recognized Israel as a state 11 minutes after President Truman did, and God bless him for it. Was it the United States that supplied them with weapons when they were fighting for their lives the day after? No, it was not. It was France. So the U.S., we've been lukewarm often when it comes to this relationship you know and we know what the bible says about being lukewarm it's better that you were hot or cold i think god would he probably respects you more if you've picked a side than if you ride the fence and this is where christians are today they ride the fence there's this idea that because there may or may not be civilians in gaza strip that are casualties of war that that somehow justifies the preemptive strike against women and children you know, and there's tons of un, unverified documents. And, you know, I, I don't want to spread misinformation, but there's so much flying around. There's, uh, there, there's a video of a guy that's being interrogated. Um, he's a Hamas fighter. And the, when, the, when the guy asks him what their goal was, it was not a strategic, tactical anything. I mean, thousands of radical people came over this border with the intent to rape and murder women and children. And so... There's no moral equivalency. There's no equivalency to Israel and Hamas. I mean, Israel has never beheaded a baby that I know of. Israel does not go and kidnap people. But I go back to this Marshall University. I go and I debate a Palestinian professor and, you know, he'll stand up and he'll say all these things. He hates Israel. He's never been to Israel. He only uses, you know, two or three publications for all his information, all of which are anti-Israel. You know, I told him, I was like, you know, I've personally seen food truck convoys going into Gaza. And he told me to my face in front of, you know, 20, 30 people that that's not possible. And I'm like, you know, I don't know how to deal with you right now. I mean, I'm telling you that I saw it with my own, my own eyes. You're telling me it's not possible, but you've never even been to Israel to understand. So you're calling Israel an apartheid state. I'm saying that you can't even get out of the airport without seeing that that's false, but you would know because you've never been. And his biggest point of contention, and this is what I've noticed for a lot of people, the biggest reason people use for justifying hatred and action against Israel and the Jewish people are the raids that the IDF does into these locations. You know, so this professor, for example, and this is a, it's a common theme. Uh, I use him just because it's a cited example, but Israel going into Janine, for example, which is a Palestinian controlled area to conduct an, a counterterrorism operation before that operation is carried out on Israel's citizens to the bad guys, to the enemy, that is unjustified. You know, so this professor, for example, to him, the Palestinian Authority is a sovereign, it, it's a sovereign state. Like these people, they have the same authority and power as Israel does. And, you know, I disagreed with him fundamentally. You know, we, we, I challenged him on that. But his belief that Israel has no right to go into, say, the Gaza Strip or Janine or Judea and Samaria to conduct a counterterrorism operation because it flies in the face of sovereignty, it's, it falls flat on its face because I asked him. And this is what everybody should be asking people uh, that support the anti-Israel movement. 
is how many people in Israel are allowed, how many people are, are allowed to die at the hands of terrorists before Israel is justified in coming into your area and never allowing you to kill a citizen of theirs again? And that's a powerful thing. And that's a question that he will not answer, nor will anyone else. They don't want Israel at all in the West Bank, but they also won't admit that the Palestinian Authority has zero ability. They either cannot or they choose not to stop the terrorism from happening. You know, so it's just like Iraq and Afghanistan. If, if I know where they're building the bombs and I know, you know, where they're bringing all their materials, I know where their meetings are. Uh, it's a, it's a target. It, it, you know, like I, I'm, I'm not going to allow them to plan, build, and then execute their mission before I do something. Mm -hmm. Because if I can take you out beforehand, why would I then drive on a road and uh, where I know you put a bomb on the road? It doesn't make sense. You know, and Israel is, they're in a position now where they're going to have to do things that I think the world is not going to like. And they're already starting, you know, the bombardment of Gaza. But the reality on the ground, and Paul would know this just as well as anybody else, and I finally saw a Navy SEAL on Fox News talking about it yesterday. I believe Hamas did this. Uh, this is very well planned. Hamas didn't do this. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't just a wake up one day and, and we're going to go do this kind of thing. You know, the, the way that they conducted this, they did something that they knew for a fact, would draw the entire Israeli military into an operation. And that sends up warning flags all over the place, you know, and immediately you see that. And what's happening? You have, you know, uh, rockets going off in northern Israel now, in Lebanon, near Syria. Yeah. You, have things ha you have things happening. So it, they're, they're testing the perimeter all over Israel. And so, you know, again, I don't, I don't know. It's speculation. But, you know, I know what I would do if I was able, if I was on the other side and I was able to draw most of your military to one area and I was in communications with people surrounding you, you know, it could be an indicator of a much larger operation. But the booby traps, and this is the part that not a lot of people understand. Well, how come they're not just going in there to get the hostages? Why aren't they just going to do this? Hamas, <laughs> do that. You know, it, it, exactly. But people don't understand that. They're, yeah. they're upset. And they're like, well, why it's aren't like they, the, the idea? Why is the IDF just sitting there for three days? Why haven't they gone into the West or the, to Gaza yet? And it's like, well, got to understand if Hamas had the brass tacks to do this and they left, then you have to assume that they understood that Israel was going to come in. And then, you know, as Paul, you know, when the enemy knows you're coming in, what's the first thing they're going to do? They're well, going to booby trap everything. Well, it, it goes back to Afghanistan. Like when, you know, that's why they moved and shifted to what's called callouts in their tactics so much because which i believe if i remember correct was based on what israel does because yep. they, they they will put the the ieds or the efps in the actual like door frames of the houses things like that yep. take the whole building down well just so people understand hamas and these people do not care who they kill if they get a jew so they have no problem launching rockets from a high school or a children's yep. school and putting munitions in daycares. They don't care about doing that. The reason they do that is so, one, Israel will not shoot them and destroy them. Two, if they do end up doing an attack, they can say, oh, look what the Jews are doing. It is mm -hmm. a, a complete IO campaign. It's, it's all propaganda. 
You know, that's like uh, when we went down to Gaza and you see the power plant. Most people don't know that Israel supplies power and water to the Gaza Strip. Yeah. And even when they are receiving attacks, they don't shut it off. But yeah. Hamas down in Gaza will actually bomb that power plant, which will cause power outages. And then they will say, look at what the Jews are doing to you. Why? Yeah. Because again, it's it's influence, it's propaganda. There's there's always intent and purpose. So it's for for this operation and this planning now, they can't just go in because they, they don't they yeah. ultimately they've got to be prepped and ready to go yeah. in with because you're gonna to have to clear house to house. Yeah. Which is and there's what two point four million population. It's a Gaza, lot of people in a little in, area. In eight eight mile radius, I believe it is, yep. or twenty five mile. I can't remember how big. I forget how big Gaza is. Um, uh, no, it's eight miles wide. Is the old nineteen sixty seven borders? I think is is. Uh, I'm getting my my areas mixed up. But with that, you the amount of planning and tactical prep you got to do to go into this environment, knowing who's going to be hit. You've got to deal with the civilian. The amount of civilians in there. Which is another whole thing. And that's and that's really yeah. where Kirby, I think you were hitting on, because it's one of those things. I stand with Israel, they should be able to defend themselves to a point. And see, this is the problem. It's to a point. Because what most people don't understand when you're dealing with an insurgency or you're dealing with something like this, the local population it, they, they are the fighters. Mm -hmm. That's where this gets so dicey. Because um they could just say, oh, look, they killed some civilians. Mm -hmm. Well, no, those, they, they were picking up weapons. Well, no, they were civilians. Because what they'll do is they'll run and take the weapons away. There's there's so many different... I mean, oh, yeah. your mind could literally go tons of places on, on all the plans that Hamas is doing. Because while Israel is planning, so is Hamas. So is Hezbollah. We do know that That's they right. took rounds from Syria. They took rounds from uh, from Lebanon. Um, but Russia, Russia this and is, they found North Korean Weapons yeah as yeah well. this yeah. is this is yeah this is pretty massive and so you know this is this is not something that is jumped into quickly or lightly and once the stuff we're already seeing it like you said kirby on on new on twitter and the news the videos of people injured of children injured in gaza and that's the thing is the world is all about israel defending himself for now that's right until you know it's kind of one of those things like people hear like oh we should have war we should rise up whatever People want war until they actually see war. Yep. So it, it's this is not something that you can just run into a building and like clear it out. It doesn't work like that. Not with these people. You have to understand That's the it. level of sophistication that these guys have with their with their ID because these guys now have twenty some years of training mm -hmm. in IEDs and EFPs. You would be you wouldn't believe the sophistication on these triggering mechanisms or their placements. It's 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 absolutely from a from a uh, CQB standpoint, it's absolutely terrifying. It's it, a nightmare. Yeah, terrifying, miserable, freaking thing to go through with most absolutely. likely tons of casualties. And you know, obviously, they're trying to minimize that. And but what do you do? It's if you get called. I mean, just think about our National Guard, though. You know, you have yeah. you got your SF teams and EOD guys who know what they're doing. And then yes. you have, you know, if we had to call up all of our reserves and we had to call up all of our inactive reserves and all of a sudden they were all mobilized, you are not looking at people that have the equivalent training as all of these no. active duty soldiers. And this, that's my greatest concern. And to me, it's wisdom of Israel not going in right away. Um, yeah. And you touched on some great points. One, uh, they provide electricity and water. 
the Gaza Strip, you know, so yesterday, I think it was uh, Israel or the day before Israel officially, they cut that off yeah. mm-hmm. siege. And so immediately the media, oh, I mean, we even have a set Bernie Sanders, you know, goes on record. He's basically all of a sudden now Israel's the bad guy because they're not yeah. allowing the enemy to have electricity and water. And I'm like, you know, well, this sounds, it sounds, you know, real self-righteous to me on its face. And then you go, and on the same token, you see that Hamas, and most people don't know this about Hamas, but when they were elected in 2007, so at that time, when Israel pulled out of the Gaza Strip, Gaza Strip was one of the world leading exports of tulips at the time. Most people don't know that. There was a thriving economy in that area. And the people living there, Hamas, could have offered that economy to its people and provided legal good ways of of living a life and instead they tore down all the metal turned it into rockets and shot it into israel uh you know the the water that gets that that gets brought into gaza you know it's the there's videos of of recruitment video actually i saw the other day of, of hamas literally digging down cutting the water pipe and then using that water pipe and turning it into rockets you know so there's no, I mean, if, if you are willing to cut your people off from fresh drinking water to create weapons, to kill the people providing you with the water, you know, there's, it's a type of radicalism. Again, it doesn't make sense. It's not rational. Uh, but I'm, t- I'm, I'm concerned for the IDF. You know, they yeah. they've started this siege. They're trying to do what they can uh, to get control over the situation. But like you said, you have to. This is one of those situations, door by door, house by house. They're going to have to go in, and this is what took them so long to clear southern Israel. You know, yeah. they cleared everything in southern Israel, and I think just yesterday the report was I think twenty two people were found still mm-hmm. in Israel. So you look at the mission sets that Hamas had when they came in. What happened? So we had Hamas guys come in and kidnap. We had Hamas members come in and conduct attacks. We had Hamas members come in, like that police interrogation video set just just to rape, just to, to dirty Jews, you know, and, and that's their words, you know, and the, the campaign that they're, they're running, this is not, it's not even about life and death. It's about humiliation. There's a reason that they, they rape before they murder. It's because it's not about actual life. It is about hurting the families of the survivors. These guys were so depraved. I mean, they went so far as calling family members and these people's phones to let them yeah. talk and hear the torture. I mean, this is sick. It's pure sickness. And when I see people talk about, oh, well, oh, well, the Palestinian people this, the Palestinian people that, and Israel's wrong for this. I'm like, you know, I feel bad for anybody who's caught up in a civilian war. I mean, I, I genuinely do. I don't want, I don't, I don't want death on for anybody. But Israel, Israel has to do something. And that's something is not going to let the world's not going to like it because unfortunately for Israel the news media is going to highlight like you said Paul that these rockets are in they're not going to show where the rockets were in hospitals they're not going to show rockets were in these schools all they're going to show is the devastation after those yeah. buildings are flattened um you know Israel they they do this often they will actually drop leaflets they'll phone they'll call people in buildings before they hit it because they want to minimize civilian casualty you know, and do may, do they do it all the time? Uh, and then they'll do the not. rocket knock. They'll do the, the, the ceiling knock. knock. They'll do all, that's where they all sorts they, of they, things. And, and so for anybody that wonders what that is, is that's a very minimal explosive that basically they they are they hit the top of the building. It just kind of makes a loud bang and shakes the building. Yeah. 
which is another warning. Hey, civilians, get out of here. We're about to hit this thing. And then they then they hit it. Well, so there there's an amount of of caution that Israel yeah. has always taken at, at a level nobody else would be expected to meet. And and yeah, on that no, note, yeah. I, I, I follow the IDF on Instagram. And, you know, to your point, and this is a very important point, the IDF does warn people to get out. And so that way it is not a civilian war yes. as much as they can avoid it. And this morning on the IDF's Instagram page, they showed a headline from CNN saying, don't trust the Jews. It's propaganda. They're not really going to bomb you. So on, on, you know, one hand, Israel's trying to do everything they can to keep this from being a civilian war. And on the other hand, the news media and then the Hamas propaganda machine is telling the civilians don't trust them, stay where you stay put and then like you said kirby then they're going to take this footage of these civilians and blame yep. israel when israel has done everything in their power to keep this from being a civilian war well that that's it and it's you know the the media narrative you know, i mean clearly it's it's been anti-israel you know again i think it's a spiritual thing altogether that you know my personal biblical you know we're moving towards the one world government kind of thing you know i see all of these things happening um i but i just my heart my heart breaks for israel because i i I know what Americans would do if this was reversed. You know, yeah. we would not give one crap about what the world thought. The moment, the moment American babies were, were I mean, the moment this stuff started happening, no, we wouldn't care. We would, we would handle our business. And for me, I expect Israel to do the same thing. And the, the, here's the thing. And this is, people want to make this about a humanitarian crisis. Well, well, Israel's not being humane. They're not doing these things. Like at, look, at the end of the day, Israel didn't ask for this. It, you know, they didn't wake up Saturday morning at six 30 and say, Hey, you know, today's the day we want terrorists to come in and murder a bunch of civilians so we can come in and do an operation. I'm pretty yeah. sure Israel, if they're given the opportunity would have woke up peacefully that morning. Those people at that party would have gone to sleep. They'd have woke up. They'd still be alive. Nothing would have happened. You know, if if Israel, if the Palestinian, the radical ones, especially the fighters, Hamas, if they would lay down their weapons, there would be peace immediately in the region. Immediately. If Israel laid down their weapons, there would be no more Israel immediately. Mm -hmm. From the river to the sea, Palestine shall be free. This is being chanted on college campuses. And I'm seeing videos now, you know, especially now with everything that's happening, uh, the boldness of these pro-Hamas people to come out and, and be, you know, they're, they're cheering Hamas on for what they've done. Like it was a military victory. Like you guys are murdering women and children. Uh, you know, it's the, the, the level of ignorance is astounding. You have human rights activists from the LGBT side that are supporting Hamas. And I'm like, are you out of your minds? Like these people would literally throw you off a building, record it and send the video to your parents, hoping that your parents would never sleep again. That's yeah. the type of evil we're talking about. But you think that they care about your sexual preference and your sexual agenda. <laughs> they don't care at all. You know, and, and but Americans don't understand that. Americans, you know, and, and you have Harvard, you know, to have 30 something people stand up in support of this at Harvard. You know, so clearly, you know, knowledge, having knowledge, you know, in the Bible knowledge without wisdom, you know, is, is not I don't remember the actual verse, Paul, you probably do, but uh, you know, knowledge is dangerous without wisdom. You know, you have to know how to apply that knowledge. And this is a this is going to be a PR campaign that Israel's going to need help in in the, in the days to come. They don't ever paint themselves as victims mm -hmm. because they don't ever want to be seen as victims again. They don't ask for American troops. It's why I mean I, I yeah. respect the crap out of them. Like Paul knows this whole weekend, every every veteran I talk to, how do I get over? How do I get over? 
most of these dudes will do it. They don't even want to get paid. If you pay for their plane ticket and some meals while they're there, they would go fight. You know, but Israel doesn't ask anybody for anything. You know, yes, we give them aid, but most people, you know, uh, especially now, we have this this big flare up in our own uh, Congress about you know supporting other countries and and money. And you, know, I get it, America's broke, but Israel is not giving money away. Seventy five percent of what we give Israel, they have to spend and invest in the U.S. Feeding American yeah. families, making American businesses successful, putting American equipment and technology over in the Middle East, helping out another people that love freedom like we do. Um, you know, there, what other country in the Middle East can you wear American flag swimming trunks, have a cross and a flag tattoo on your chest, walk around and be safe? I did it for hours in Tel Aviv after COVID by myself, walking around with American flag trunks because I needed to know. You know, I knew that we had a veteran that got murdered in this area, uh, Taylor Forrest, you know, just years prior. And here I am telling people Israel's safe. But how do you really know that unless you test it, you know, and you go to Israel, American flag trunk says it all. And I walked by myself and nothing. I mean, if anything, they were, I had positive interactions with people, nothing negative. But you would not be able to do that if you were 10 minutes into Lebanon, 10 minutes into Gaza. It would be an international incident. Your head would be chopped off or lopped off. You would be traded for terrorists in some international, yep. you know, prisoner swap. Like this is, it, you would not be, you, it's not just a hand slap on CNN, you know, and people don't get that. And, and for me as an American, like when I can go somewhere that's not in our country and I can be American and I can be safe, this is a place typically that I want to support. <laughs> you know, it's, we should, our citizens should want to travel the world. They should want to see what the world has to offer, experience these cultures, understand that what America has is so unique. There's a reason that we're special. But you don't even know that if you've never left and seen what other countries offer. Yeah. And, you know, it, again, it's just, it just like this Palestinian professor. It's people feel so much emotion when it comes to Israel, but they only feel what they want to feel. They refuse to allow facts to override that emotion. And, you know, and this is, it's just, it's, it's sad. The, you know, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it's really sad because the brainwashing is effective. You know, I was in, uh, when I was in Minnesota, I think it was April doing another uh, Kufi event, you know, pro-Israel event, just educating kids. I mean, it was a good number of Christian uh, and other college students showed up and we had a whole social justice for Palestine chapter showed up, all women, all young ladies. Mm-hmm. And, and they let me finish my presentation, but then the question started, you know, they were trying to assume control over the meeting and I asked them in front of the whole room. I was like, you know, before, and I ended up talking with them for about an hour. You know, so I always showed the love of Christ as much as I could. We talked about a bunch of facts. All you can do is plant those seeds of truth and hopefully they go and and research them. But I asked them, and this is the alarming part right here is in front of, you know, 30, 50 people. I was like, you know, we disagree on a lot. I know you don't like Israel. You know, we disagree on a lot of how the Middle East should be governed. Can we at a minimum, can we, can we come to an agreement that Hamas is a terrorist organization? Let's come to a basic understanding. And this group of people flat out with no shame said that's wrong. Hamas is a freedom, a group of freedom fighters. And, you know, so my, my, initial, my, my initial reaction is, okay, I understand your point. I would like you, if possible to cite one single time in human history where the freedom fighters have killed women and children to accomplish their mission. As again, if you can do that, I'll sit down right now and I'll be quiet. I'll stop. I'll stop teaching. 
I was like, but that's not what freedom fighters do. That's what terrorists do. You know, freedom fighters will die fighting a cause that they know they can't win, but because they're oppressed, they're fighting the system. That's a freedom fighter. You know, uh, Samson from the Bible, that's a freedom fighter. You know, it, it's he, the whole system was against him and he still fought it because the system was wrong and God was on his side. And until we can get people to accept the fact that murdering women and children as a means of accomplishing your goal, not as a casualty of war, but as your target and as your expressed goal in the, con that is evil. It's pure evil. And, you know, to hear people equate Hamas with Israel and, oh, well, Israel's been killing babies for decades. Like that is absolute nonsense. You want to blame somebody for the deaths of those children or anybody else that's innocent in Gaza? You should blame the people that are putting rockets on the roofs. Blame the people that are putting uh, uh, rocket launchers and weapon caches in hospitals. How could you blame somebody? That's a legal military target. You shoot and you kill my citizen with a rocket from a hospital or from a school as an American, if you just kill, I, I have an obligation not to let you kill more of my people. Mm -hmm. Does that mean I enjoy stopping it? Absolutely not. But I have an obligation. My people who elected me, you know, you have an obligation and a duty to them first. Israel is no different. But for some reason, people like to hold them to this standard, this, this double standard that is not the same. It's okay for everybody else to do these things, but it's not okay for Israel. And, you know, that's, that's kind of what we, we try to teach you. If you try to flush out and highlight those double standards in the hopes that someone will see them and recognize. And, and I say that just to end with this social justice for Palestine group, you know, it started off with them, uh, you know, river to the sea and, uh, it, talking about uh, Gaza being an open air prison, you know, they're using these talking points that are meant to flare emotions up. And what they were not expecting was rational dialogue. So before they were able to leave, I literally ignored every other Christian in the room. I went right to their table. And for 45 minutes to an hour, I sat down with the social justice for Palestine group. And I had to go through a series of, of, I don't want to say attacks, but of preconceived notions, you know, first, you know, why do you even care about Israel? Uh, you know, let's, well, I'm a Christian. So, well, well, you know, and so to hear social justice for Palestine students telling me, well, the Jews killed Christ. How could you like the Jews when you're a Christian? So like they know about replacement theology. They know those, those mechanisms that inflame Christians that have divided us. Like they know. And so these are talking points that these, these kids are being told. And to break these things down, you know, like you want to call it an open air prison, you call it whatever you want. Let's debate and let's talk about who's the reason for the system being the way that it is in Gaza Strip. And we talked about it, you know, and, you know, so first it was, well, why do you care? And so I, I was able to share my Christian values with this whole group of people. They got to know why I care because I love Jesus and Jesus was a Jew. And most Christians that don't like the Jewish people, they don't like to think about that fact. Jesus was Jewish. His parents were Jewish. All of the, the disciples were Jewish, most of them at least. The prophets, all the patriarchs, the matriarchs, every story in that Jewish book comes from Jewish people. Jesus came first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. How can people tell me that he doesn't care about them? They were his people. you know. And to see Christians try to justify what's happening by, or, or, or I want to say justify, I, I'll even call it cowardly. To see Christians cower because they're afraid of being targeted 
for being anti-Palestinian, this is why a lot of them aren't supporting Israel openly. Because to support Israel openly means in a year or a week and a half from now, when Israel does take the tactical advantage in Gaza, which if and when they decide to invade, they will. They will at some point get the strategic advantage. Because mm-hmm. Gaza is a terrorist organization. They're going to get wiped out. When, when that happens, all of the aftermath is going to start coming out. Mm-hmm. All of those videos. No one is going to remember that Hamas threatened the United States and Israel to rape and murder our citizens online, streaming it the whole time. No one will remember these things beforehand. No one will blame Hamas for yeah. shooting rockets from a place where babies were at. They're going to they're gonna remember that Israel is the stronger agent in the area. They now have control. And instead of relinquishing that control and just giving it back over to all of the innocent people, they're going to eliminate Hamas totally. And it's justified. Mm-hmm. And as a Christian, again, it's, I don't, no one should ever cherish. Nobody, human life is human life. Innocent people should never have to die in other men's wars. But at the end of the day, you have to protect your people. You have to protect your people. Israel not protecting their people would mean their total destruction. Mm-hmm. And no one wants to talk about that. No one cares that, like I said, if the Jews laid down their weapons, there would be no more. From the river to the sea, Palestine shall be free. You know, and, and when you talk and ask these college kids, they say it like it's some college football game slogan. Yeah. And I, I just, I'm not Jewish, but I just imagine, I know how it, it irks me when I hear people say things that are historically and contextually just wrong, but just imagine being Jewish, having a grandparent who survived or died in the Holocaust to go on college in America and hear people saying from the river to the, they're calling for the genocide of your people. And instead of people rising up against it and shaming these people, they're embracing them or they're silent because they don't want to offend anybody. And I I tell, and I tell people this all the time, uh, you will be put in a box as a Christian when you're dealing with the Palestinian issue, you know, so what you always have to do with the scent of, you, you got to leave the scent of Christ in every conversation is what my boss always told me. It's, you know, so even when you're sharing hard truth, you have to do it from love. Otherwise what you're doing is not going to, it's not going to work. And, you know, how do you love your neighbor when your neighbor doesn't value your life and Israel goes above and beyond to love their neighbor. And, you know, Paul's been there. Anybody who's been there, you can see it. They don't, they, they're not surrounded by people that share those values, mm-hmm. you know? And so where Israel values human life, where Israel will send knocks and they'll do all sorts of things to, to save one woman's life, where they'll let 10 Hamas members go free to save that one human life. It's not the same in reverse. And so I always tell our, our college students in particular, but when you're talking about an Israel issue with anybody, especially if they're anti-Israel, you have to verbalize that you are not anti-Palestinian. You have to actually say it out loud because by default, what I've noticed in this, in this realm is that to be pro-Israel, people will automatically put you in this box that says you hate the Palestinian people or you're okay with Palestinian children dying, all these things. And so you, if you don't verbalize it, they're immediately putting you in this box. So even if they don't say it, I've noticed that. And so I've had to say that verbally many, many times, and it's, it's up to dialogue. 
because it takes away a lot of the ammunition that the other side wants. They assume that we hate people, and this is why we support Israel. And that's because they've been taught radical teachings. They, they've been taught that we hate. They've been taught that we want the total annihilation of, of everybody who's not Jewish or Christian. And it's patently false. But if you don't show them the love of Christ, if you don't show them that it's false and, and systematically but lovingly dissect that worldview, you're never going to change it. You know, and yeah, so it's, it's powerful stuff. It's, it's, it's a deep-rooted deception, uh, really. There was something that you said, though, that I think needs to be hit on because I've seen this when I've been talking with people or people responding to my TikToks and Christians as well. And it kind of blows my mind that Christians are saying this, that, well, the Jews killed Jesus. Okay. No. If you want somebody to blame for Jesus' death, look at me. Right. And look right. at you. It was my sin. Yep. Our sins, our sins put Jesus on that cross. And he willingly went there. Yeah. Not, it was, yes, the Jews and the Jewish leadership may have brought about through Pilate this process of him being crucified. They rejected him as their Messiah, but he went there and it was our sins that put him there. And it was our sins yeah. that he took upon himself that separated him from the father at that time. So when Jesus said, this, he, no man takes his life. He lays it down, he, down, you know, and I will pick it up again. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But, yeah. you know, and the thing is, when it comes to Israel, this idea, Romans 9, 10 and 11. Yes. Right there. Romans 9 is about yeah. the Jew. It is about Jacob and Esau. It's not about the elect, the unconditional elect that Calvinism tries to put. That is to twist the text, strip it of its context. That is about the Jewish person. Grammatically, the O man in Romans 2 is to the Jew because that is a singular in the Greek. And it maintains that singular throughout that entire chapter. Mm -hmm. So there's no way to get around that. Romans 9, 10, 11 is about Israel. And in 25, 11, 25, for I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part, in part, has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And what does it say? And so all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion. He will turn away ungodliness from Jacob, for this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Concerning the gospel... They are enemies for your sake, but concerning the election, and that is a that is very definite in the Greek, the election, mm. they are beloved for the sake mm -hmm. of the fathers, for the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. Mm -hmm. So people say, oh, the yeah. gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. That's in reference to God's election of the nation of Israel yeah. through the patriarchs. We serve a Jewish Messiah. Our belief is based on Jewish covenants, right? Yeah. We are not Jews. We are not Israel. We are made one new man. The dividing wall and separation is, is removed, and we are one man in Christ, one body of Christ. But as a nation, right, we enjoy the blessings of the covenants. But the new covenant is not yet fulfilled. Right. It is right. a, it is begun, but it will only be fulfilled when there is a believing nation, which, again, we've talked about before, that the prerequisite condition to the second coming of Christ, and this is all throughout the, New, the Old Testament, Israel has to acknowledge Jesus as their Messiah 
repent of their rejection, petition mm-hmm. his return. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. You know, I got question. I got, I'm going to make a TikTok dealing with uh, responding to a question. Why are you not all mill or post mill? Why are you pre mill? <laughs> it's like because all throughout the Old Testament, it is constantly stated and restated what prophecies that are going to occur that have never yet occurred that require a messianic kingdom. You know, Jesus had the perfect opportunity, the perfect opportunity to solidify replacement theology in Acts 1 before his ascension. In Acts 1, they um, asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. He doesn't say, sorry, guys, not going to happen. Israel is replaced. New plan. Right. Not the point. He says, when they says, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? It is not for you to know when that's going to occur. (laughs) Daniel 9. We have the first 483 years of the nation fulfilled literally. He says, for your people, mm-hmm. that's Daniel's people, the Jews, and for your holy city, that is Jerusalem. There is still a seven-year period left, no matter how we want to spin it. And over and over, we've talked about this before, I know, but uh, it's called that last three and a half years is called 1260 days, 42 months. Uh, time times and half a times a single a duel and a half god does everything but put it into minutes yeah you know at what point do we say okay you know he's been er everything that god has stated will occur that has occurred occurred just as he stated it would yeah history time and again over the centuries has vindicated those that took a literal approach and interpretation of the scriptures and those there was always a small minority that held that israel would become back into the land as a nation and have jerusalem and eventually a standing temple because they said no this is what the text states and they were mocked they were ridiculed 1948 should have ended all dissension all theological positions that were against the literal fulfillment of scripture it's not even interpretation at this point yeah. it's what did god say yeah, yeah. well and it's you know it, that's an interesting point it's uh i go back I'll, I'll to rewind a little bit you know when it goes to the the jews killed christ statement i've had i've had a couple good really good dialogues about that because you know a lot of people don't come from they don't they're not attacking they don't they don't see that their perception the way that they view things is an attack you know so for those folks that that you just got to kind of ease them into it you know, I, I try to ask them, you know, okay, so you're saying that it was it was the Jews that killed Christ, you know, and that, you know, first lay out the history of understand that every massacre against the Jewish people perpetrated by Christians has happened under the pretext of that thought. Yes. I was like, so let me ask you this. If could, oh, how, how, did, I, how did I frame it last time? If it, could it, it, or if, could the Jews at that time, the leadership, right, would they have been able to crucify Jesus without Roman authority? And the answer is no. Mm-hmm. And then you you know go in the scripture and you know it's at the end of the day, Pontius Pilate is the one who made the decision. So it was Roman authority that actually crucified Christ. Mm-hmm. 
yes, there were religious leaders that were against him that brought him forward, that made that, that, you know, they created that perfect storm. And people will blame the Jewish people for that. But then you just immediately flip it. Okay, so you're going to name, you're going to name, you know, the handful of Jews mentioned the leaders that are, that were against Christ at that time, but you refuse to name all of the Jewish people that followed Christ at the same time. Right. So you'll, you'll condemn the Jews based on the actions of a few, we'll call them radical leaders, but you won't acknowledge the fact that all of those miracles that happened, all those things that Jesus did, like those were, those were for the Jewish people. These miracles, the healing of the blind man at the pool of Siloam, like these are Jewish people. Mm-hmm. You know, and what about all those people that did believe him? What about all those people that, that did acknowledge? There's no, people refuse to look at both sides. They choose to talk about the thing that edifies their belief. And Paul, and, and that, that this kind of ties right into what you were saying is the reason I think a lot of people are not, they, a lot of the reason I think Christians maybe did not accept the 1948 reestablishment of Israel as, as being, you know, prophetically important or whatnot is in my opinion, based on some conversations I've had is they would have to admit that they were wrong mm. and they would have to admit yes. not only were they wrong, but they would have to admit that they've been teaching wrong, yep. that they've been interpreting wrong, and that they have, that, you know, I, I would almost go so far as to say you'd almost have to make a retraction mm-hmm. and apologize. And, yeah. you know, not just in America, but I mean, that's not something men, man does very well, you know, bite no. the pride bullet. But that reality, that, that is what it needs to happen. All these, you know, for, for 2,000 years, Christians could, they could use that allegorical, oh, well, history's, Israel's just a history book where, you know, the church replaced history or Israel, all this stuff until 1948. Right. And it's like, so how could you believe that the church replaced Israel? And then all of a sudden Israel exists again as an actual place and then still believe the same thing. It, it should change because you've seen that promise come to life. It's no longer allegorical. Yeah. And then not only that, but we've talked Paul many times about the difference between those salvific promises and the, the actual national promises that God made. There's, totally different lines of promises that God made. And, you know, uh, God, it, you know, the Bible's the only holy text in all in the entire world that lays out boundaries yeah. of, of land that God chose. Um, you know, Christians fail to understand the Jewish people did not choose this life. Right. They didn't wake up one day and like, Hey God, we want to be your chosen people. And we want to be the ones that are yes. targeted for extinction yeah. a dozen exactly. plus times by every major world power. No, God chose them. Yep. He chose them, and that is a big deal. And if God chose them, and God's not a man that he should lie, and God doesn't change, then that means he must love them. He must care about mm-hmm. them. And if he cares about them, then we should care about them. And for me, it's, it's really that simple. If God loves it, we should love it. If God hates it, we should hate it. And it's a simple, it's a simple pattern to follow, but I think pride is a big deal. I know Paul and I have talked uh, many times about pulpits and pride and and the teachings and lack of teachings in churches today, but you know, it would. We're just such a prideful generation. I don't think I don't think entire denominations of leaders are going to be willing to admit that they might have been wrong. No, and they they will so, hold to that. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's unfortunately it is an arrogance thing. It's a power thing. Yeah. But it goes because deeper. I think it goes deeper than that, and that is that the vast majority of Americans don't know this. They just sit and yeah. they consume what's been spoon fed to them. And they're not thinking about these things. They're not actually digging into the theology and the doctrine. And they're ignorant to the fact that with the exception of Luke, 
and the one chapter written by Nebuchadnezzar, this is a Jewish book written by Jewish people. Yeah. And so, you know, there, there's just that, that plain and simple a- a- arrogance. But there's two things I want to hit on, Kirby, I know as we're kind of wrapping up, because you said a lot of really important things, but there's something that I think is important because here's, here's one of the things that Christians are doing in the, in the pretense of wisdom. And I say Christians, but I think also general Americans are doing is they're saying, you know, to be pro-Israel, like you said, you have to be anti-Palestine. And the reality is, as Christians, we, we want to see the Palestinian people come to know Jesus just as much as we want to see the Jewish people. We have a heart to see salvation in, in the name of Jesus glorified, because we all know on this call that the only answer to the, all of these problems is Jesus. And mm-hmm. so, you know, so we have just as much of a responsibility to pray for the lost in Palestine as we do in Israel. And they're not mutually exclusive ideas. We can condemn the acts of Hamas while simultaneously praying for the salvation. And I think that's the problem to the point that you were making about the box they're gonna put us into, is that it, we yeah. they're not mutually exclusive. But the other thing I wanted to hit on, and this is very, very important and something very dangerous that I saw yesterday that has just, it's been very hard to watch. So, you know, obviously propaganda is a big thing that we're dealing with. And coming off of all the COVID propaganda, people are now very highly skeptical and it's become in vogue to challenge everything. The problem Mm -hmm. is, is that that what we're challenging are the wrong things. And so one of the things that obviously has become mainstream to challenge right now is that these babies didn't die, uh, that, that, that the Jewish state is just propagandizing what's happening with these infants. And so Bibi Netanyahu yesterday put images of the bodies of these infants. And one of the things that happened is in one of the images, there was some medical information that they blocked out using, you know, that kind of um, pixelated square thing. Mm -hmm. And when you submit that image to a quote unquote AI, you know, falsification system, it says that that is an AI generated image. And so now we have all over the media, excuse me, I should say social media, Twitter X, these, you know, this claim that these images that Bibi Netanyahu put out were AI generated images. And so now we're going to be put in a situation where, to your point, Kirby, as Israel does what they need to do, and they take care of business. Uh, you know, everybody's going to forget the atrocities that Hamas committed. Those of us yep. who are in this camp who say, no, Israel absolutely has the right to defend themselves for every reason that we've talked about, we're going to be the minority. This does not mean we should back down. We should have courage and continue to speak out against these atrocities. But the other thing that is very disconcerting is that the misinformation and the propaganda that is going to come out of this, that we're already seeing where AI is now in, involved in this conversation, are going mm. to make it very hard for people to navigate the truth in this. And this is where we as Christians hold on to this with both hands in this time, because I'm telling you right now, if you are looking to man to give you the answers to what's going on, you're going to find yourself on the wrong side of this equation, just like everybody else who has followed man-made doctrines to get to this point. And so that that yep. is just something that I felt like was you know an important summary uh, of what we've talked about, because you guys have this military perspective, and you're able to look at this, and you're able to say, we can't separate the spiritual aspect of this. We can't apply civilian Western values to a scenario where we have a totally different culture that is promulgating yep. this war and, and attacking this war. So we've got to be careful to make ju- where we're, where our, our value judgments are coming from and that we're not applying our naive, ignorant Western values to a situation that cannot warrant that because this is not the rule book that they're playing from. So I just wanted to summarize that. I know we're wrapping up here and and um, you, you know, you, we've talked about so many important things, but I think people need to understand we are going to be in the minority of those who take a strong stand with Israel when, like you said, the aftermath of this is done. 
Don't let that deter you. And don't let it be your ignorance of the word of God or your cowardice mm -hmm. towards what people will say about those of us who take this position, disqualify you from being on the right side of history in this matter. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I think, uh, I think history is just, just like history has, uh, has not been kind to the Christians who sang their hymns louder as the cars full of people went to their deaths. I don't think history will be kind to the coward Christians, you know? Um, and again, there's, there's a difference between accepting the fact that Israel has to do what must be done and reveling and enjoying the fact that there's civilian casualties. Those are two totally different things. And it kind of goes to that same thing I was saying, you, you know, people are going to, the evil, Evil is always going to try to paint you the wrong way. They're always going to try to put it out of context. They don't care. They're not in it for the truth. They're in it for a goal. And, you know, for those of us in it for the truth, you know, identifying that truth is, is key. You got to stick to the word of God. You have to, you know, let that lead you, um, you know, and, and it just, the more, there's no moral equivalence between Hamas and anybody else, you know, and, and that's the main key takeaway that I would leave here is no matter what happens, Remember who started this, no matter what happens. Remember on October 7th with, you know, my 17th wedding anniversary at 630 in the morning in Israel, you know, terrorists went into homes and tortured, raped and executed civilians in brutal ways and then videotaped it and live streamed it. And, you know, that will be forgotten about, but I won't forget about it. And, you know, again, that's not a justification that bad things happening to you is not a justification to go do bad things to other innocent people. And that's not Israel. You know, again, if Israel wanted to, Israel in 30 minutes could have destroyed all of Gaza Strip. Yep. A couple planes, a couple bombs literally could have already leveled the whole thing. Instead, they're amassing troops and they are probably coming up with a systematic plan of how to do this without taking extreme casualty. Um, you know, so just, I would just, everybody who's listening, you know, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, you know, uh, just remember that God put his name here. You know, Jerusalem is the apple of God's eye. You know, the Bible is very clear, you know, and, and it, when God says that Jerusalem is the apple of his eye, just, I just, I, I, I read that scripture and I think about how upset I would be if somebody pulled, you know, just shoved their finger right in my eyeball and then thought that I was going to be okay with that. You know, and to me, that's what I see. Hamas just poked God right in the eyeball and, the Bible's very clear what happens to the people that, that rise up against him. And, you know, uh, God is, he's the righteous, he's the only righteous judge. He's the only one who knows the heart and the mind and the intensive man. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, Israel's just, they're, they're going to have to do what they have to do to protect their people. And it, it's heartbreaking to know because I, I know that it's going to feed into the violence. You know, Paul knows, you know, you yeah. kill one Al Qaeda member, you kill one Taliban member, no matter how bad that guy was, no matter how righteous your cause was, that guy's son is going to grow up hating you. Yeah, He's going to grow up with you being the enemy for your whole life, whether he was a terrorist or not. And this is Israel's real reality. I got to deploy and go home. Israel doesn't get like to go home for them is driving an hour. This back is home their life. Border. This is, this their, is their, life. their life. And so when they, when this nation of Israel decides to take military action, like they don't do it lightly. They try to live in peace with their neighbors. They really do. But you can't live in peace with somebody that wants to cut your throat and that'll murder your babies. And I want to hit, hit this right here real quick. I was listening to an interview with a, a, a 
an Israeli, I can't remember his dadgum name, but he was saying, they asked him, you know, can you forgive them? And they said, and this guy said, I can forgive them for killing my son. I can never forgive them for making me kill their sons. Yeah. That's, I want you to think about that statement because that is a massive, anybody that wonders where Israel stands on this or thinks that there are these terrible yeah. apartheid, say, think about that. Think about that that level. I can forgive them for killing my son. I cannot forgive them for making me kill theirs. That's powerful. You know, yeah, and that's, what you were talking about. Powerful. What you were talking about, and I want to. I'll end with this. Joel three. Behold, in those days and at that time, when I bring back the captives of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather. I will also gather all nations, bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. And I will enter into judgment with them there on account of my people, my heritage, Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations, and they have also divided my land. <laughs> this is not a simple theological debate that is something to be taken lightly. That's right. If you go against Israel's right to the land to exist, the fact that they are God's chosen people, you're pointing your finger into the face of God. And saying yep. you are wrong. That's right. You're digging your heels you, in against the you, against you, God. You, you, yeah. And yeah. so, you know, I would this I, I my my request, and I'm sure Kirby's too, would be that if you have friends, if you have pastors, share this podcast today with them. Because this is a message that does need to get shared and need to get out. And I Kirby, dude, brother, I just you know, I love you, man. Love you so much. And I just I really appreciate you hopping on early today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. This is a, you know, it's a topic close to our hearts, you know, to love the word of God, yeah, to love the Lord and and not to love his people doesn't make sense to me. So, uh, you know, for me, it's a common sense, a common sense thing. It's a simple right versus wrong answer here. Unfortunately, the world is a complex place. So we have to do as good as of a job as we can of sharing the truth in ways that's digestible. So man, thank you for what you guys do. It's It's edifying to the faith to know that there's people out there getting after it, sharing truth and, uh, you know, just pray for that piece of Jerusalem. You know, if, if, uh, if you're going to college, I mean, it, it just, just care about your Jewish citizens. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't have to agree with you. They don't have to, they don't have to recognize Jesus as the Messiah for you to show them the love of Christ. And, you know, they're American citizens. And even if they're not, they're citizens of the world, they're human beings and nobody should have to live in fear of, of of being murdered or attacked simply for existing. And, you know, uh, that goes nowadays, you know, it, it didn't end with slavery. It didn't end with the civil rights movement. I mean, the Jewish people are still under attack in the freest country in the world. And if, if we don't have the courage here to stand up for them now, then just like uh, Mordecai told Esther, you know, that God will, God will bring salvation through another, uh, another area, yeah. but this is your time. You were born for such yeah. a time as this yeah. and Israel needs help. And to me, this is the divining line. It, you know, God, there's a clear line here. You're either for God or you're not, or you're a coward. And only one of those three positions is, in my opinion, a righteous position. Yeah. And so, you know, just encouraging these Christians, get on the right side. Read your Bible. Stop poking God in the eyeball. Just because you say you're pro-Israel doesn't mean you have to. They're not flawless. Israel's not perfect. The Jewish people are just like us. They're flawed just as like the rest of us are, but they still have a right to self-determination. They still have a right to defend themselves. No one should have a right to kill your citizens and then tell you that you can do nothing about it. 
Um, you know, so just keep those things in mind, pray. Uh, and we're just going to, we're going to see God work. I mean, I'm, I'm confident that uh, Israel is going to not only win this conflict, but, you know, I do believe that they are going to destroy Hamas and dismantle Hamas. And, and for me, that is a prayer that needs to be answered. So, uh, yeah, thank you What's guys for the, having me on and for yeah, what y'all do. If, if people want to get in contact or get more information from you or Kufi, how would they do that? Yeah, so uh, we have a great website, cufi.org, Christians United for Israel. You know, we have tons of resources on there it, it, from uh, pastors, college students, high school students, veterans, uh, you know, for those that are politically active. You know, we're a biblically political organization. We're a policy-based organization. We want to support Israel by using our American rights, by making sure that America stands with Israel for biblical reasons. And uh, so kufi.org is a great place. My email is on there. You can go on the website and find me. Any questions, we travel all over the country to give speeches, presentations, to educate. Um, you know, so anybody who's interested that wants to know more, please feel free to reach out. I'll, you know, even the hard questions, there are answers to these questions. And don't be afraid to ask them, but just keep an open mind. Don't have your decision made up already uh, when you're looking for these answers, because God has a way of uh, enlightening us. Uh, even when we don't think that we can be enlightened anymore. But yeah. Amen to that. Amen to that. Yeah. Thank you, Kirby. Well, thank you, Paul. Thank you. Definitely. Appreciate you guys. So, all right, guys, you got the info. You know, the mission doesn't change. Continue to go out, work, preach the gospel, disciple the nations. And everything Kirby said, take it, do it. And don't be, check out Kufi. It is, it is a great, great organization. Um, so with that, love you all. If you have questions, please like, share, and subscribe this podcast, especially like with your pastors, given this information, because I think that this time more than ever, this information about what the reality is on the ground and what the reality of the scripture states needs to be heard. So yeah. appreciate you guys. Go out. Same. Preach the gospel, disciple of the nations. This Paul Warriors Rising. Out.